It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book Close Encounters of the Worst Kind and the captivating memoir Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. Um, and today I have a little bit of a gravelly voice, so you'll have to bear with me. But, um, you know, we're at that time of the year when the holidays are coming. For some people, it's so exciting. And for other people, which should be the happiest and most magical time of the year, can be sad and agonizing and lonely. And if you're grieving the loss of a loved one, this is particularly true. Or if you are really grieving the loss of someone that's living, but that you've lost, this can be absolutely true as well. So the life mission of today's special guest, world-renowned psychic medium and Oxford educated attorney, that's right, attorney, Mark Anthony, is to use his abilities to assist those suffering with loss by facilitating a connection with a loved one in spirit to prove the existence and eternal nature of the soul. Mark bridges the divide between faith and science in his fascinating afterlife exploration. In his newly released book, The Afterlife Frequency, the scientific proof of spiritual contact and how that awareness will change your life, Mark takes you around the globe from the cosmic to the subatomic into the human soul itself. Combining physics, neuroscience, and riveting true stories, this book reveals how our electromagnetic soul is pure eternal energy, which never dies. Mark appears regularly on TV and radio as an expert in spirit, communication, near-death experiences, paranormal phenomena, ancient mysteries, and as a legal analyst. Mark co-hosts the live stream show, The Psychic and the Doc on the Transformation Network, and is a regular columnist for Best Holistic Life magazines. And he has also authored the books, Evidence of Eternity and Never Letting Go. And we're so honored to have Mark with us today because this is going to be um, really a powerful show for you. Um, Good morning, Mark, and welcome to the show. So happy to have you. Thank you, Randy. It's an honor to be here. And, um, you know, this, this is such an important topic, is coping with loss at the holidays. So I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. And, it, you know, it's interesting because I get a lot of pitches, and this came across my desk yesterday <laughs> and um, or the day before, something like that, and I'm like, oh, I need to do this right away. <laughs> I need to have him one right away. Um, well, and sure. I, ha- I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt because we got <laughs> – I mean, Thanksgiving is next week, and then the week after that's Hanukkah, and then a few weeks after that it's uh, you have Christmas Eve, Christmas, Christmas Day, and then New Year's. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like uh, this is the holidays, and like you said, this is supposed to be an exciting and wonderful time of year. But on the other hand, for people who are suffering from the loss of a loved one, um, it, it isn't. And it's very, very painful. And you also said something else, Randy, that I really like. You could be grieving the loss of someone who's alive. You know, maybe you 
you just you know ended a relationship or there's some type of dispute in the family where you're not talking to somebody and you know Christmas you know unfortunately it's not a Hallmark Christmas movie you know different the reality uh, when you're grieving is is so very painful yes and I have so many clients who are going through that and they you know one of the biggest questions I get is how do I handle this through the holidays you know I don't really want to be with these people because it's a horrific experience but I feel obligated and so you know, a lot of people just avoid having to deal with that person during the holiday times because the holidays are never what they imagine they're going to be. It always ends with, um, you know, some kind of catastrophe. So <clears throat> love doesn't end at physical death. Um, you know, this is something that I've always believed, always believed. And I really believe we're just as close. Uh, we're very close to those who have passed on, but they're not dead. And they're really very active in our life. So what could you tell us about that? And, and to those people who have lost someone in the physical sense, what they may be missing as far as the love that's still there? Oh, uh, quite a bit. All three of my books, Never Letting Go, which is a guide on the journey through grief, Evidence of Eternity, which is communicating with spirits for proof of the afterlife. And, but my newest book, The Afterlife Frequency, bridges the divide between faith and science by explaining that belief in an afterlife and a soul is explainable through science. You know, because for too long, Randy, faith, people of faith have been in one camp, people of science have been in the other, and there's a moat between them, <laughs> like, you know, flinging catapults across the moat, like, you're, you're, you're wallowing in primitive, superstitious, uh, Bronze Age beliefs, say the scientists, and, you know, the people of faith, you're a bunch of heretical, blasphemous, <laughs> you know, and, and so that has had been going on uh, pretty much for centuries, and now things are changing, because now quantum physicists are coming forward and saying that eternal life does not violate the laws of physics. And now many people of faith are looking at scientific explanations for, for many of the, the basic beliefs that they hold. And so it's extremely important to realize that every great belief system, I mean, if you go back 5,000 years ago, Randy, to, to uh, ancient India, um, there came the belief that uh, the soul pre-exists the body, comes into the body, and moves on after the body. Well, it wasn't just the Hindus that believed this, also the ancient Egyptians, and then uh, the Buddhists, then the Zoroastrianisms, then um, Judaism, then Christianity, then Islam, and it goes on through Native American religions. Every major belief system believes that who and what we are, the soul, the consciousness, pre-exists the body, comes into the body, and moves on. And now we know from the, the field of neuroscience that our body operates on electrical impulses, or at least our nervous system does, but the brain in particular functions on chemical reactions and electronic impulses, and it has an electromagnetic field to it. And we know from the laws of thermodynamics and physics that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. So in my new book, The Afterlife Frequency, I introduce new terminology to explain things, and one of those is the electromagnetic soul, which explains in 21st century terms what we really are, which is pure consciousness, a soul, a spirit, if you will, 
that is eternal electromagnetic energy. Pre-exists at the body, comes into the body, moves on, and stays coherent after the body dies. So what am I saying? Is our spirit is an immortal, living, intelligent entity that we're capable of communicating with and receiving messages from. And you, you include excerpts from so many different faiths and belief systems in your book and um, to show how all of them agree that life doesn't end at physical death. Um, what's, I think the greatest fear that people have is that life ends with death. <clears throat> of course. Um, but you have a more positive approach that you say that it's really a new beginning. And how so? It is. And, and the, first off, I don't mean to, for one second, trivialize the pain associated with physical death. Um, you know, I'm a medium, and I can communicate with my loved ones who've passed. But, Randy, do you think that doesn't that, that means that I don't hurt? <laughs> I mean, and I was there when my father drew his last breath. I, I saw my father die. I've been to the bedsides of many people because I'm, I'm called by families. They want me there. Um, to help help them understand about their loved one transitioning. And what I have seen, and, and I have conducted close to, if not more than 15,000 readings. That means I've conducted spirit communication sessions for people in a private or a group or a telephone or an online session for over 15,000 people. I've communicated with hundreds of thousands of spirits. And let me tell you, they're... they're they're very much alive. It's simply that everything vibrates at a different frequency. And so the quantum electromagnetic field in our brain, the EMS, the electromagnetic soul, when the body ceases to function, the brain then um, releases, or the, uh, the EMS is released from the soul. Uh, excuse me. The EMS is released from the brain, and your soul connects with a higher frequency. Hmm. And in spirits talk about their death, and, and, and the thing is, Randy, we can get very, very immersed in how our loved one died, understandably so. I mean, any parent that's lost a child, and that's the most devastating loss of all, it's, it's crippling in, in so many ways. And, you know, for our entire lives, we can, you know, I think about seeing my, my robust Navy SEAL father die from cancer. You know, people think about loved ones that have been victims of homicide or suicide, and we get so focused on how they died. Spirits, they look at their death as a doorway that they went through to this elevated level of consciousness. And once again, I don't mean to trivialize that, you know, because we're, we're suffering with their loss, and spirits are always so happy, oh, I'm pure energy and all this. And, and, um, but they are very, very well aware of the impact that their passing has on us. And they are very well aware of the pain and suffering that we're going through here because we always remain energetically linked to our loved ones, even if they are not still in our material world. And does that concern or awareness of how their loved ones in the physical world are, what they're experiencing over the, the death, um, does that impact their ability to move, to be able to fully, um, what do I want to say, to really embrace where they are and, and, and the peace of that? 
this is where I depart with a lot of my colleagues. People say, oh, you're holding your loved one back, okay, because your excessive grief is anchoring them to this world. And years ago, I used to be of that impression until um, spirits explained to me, the only person holding you back is you. In other words, if you're excessively grieving about someone, you can't hold back a spirit. Because as an electromagnetic soul, and I know that sounds like a very, you know, hoity-toity type of term, but the scientists who have endorsed uh, the afterlife frequency have started using it because they said this appears to be what this is and what we are, and uh, they call it the EMS. Well, everything that is electromagnetic energy moves at the speed of light because light is the only visible form of um, electromagnetic energy visible to the human eye. So you have that um, light, electricity, x-rays, gamma rays, ultraviolet, microwaves, radio waves. I mean, you just go through the entire EM spectrum. Now, why am I saying this? Is because light moves at 186,282 miles per second. That's almost 400,000 kilometers per second. So in the time it took me to say that, Randy, a spirit of your loved one could have been to the moon and back couple times now how are we supposed to hold back something that does that <laughs> you know and 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 so so if you're excessively grieving okay yeah spirit will be alerted to that because they're going to feel that vibration and I, I can go into explaining that if you'd like um but they'll come to you they'll see what you're doing they're going to zip out and then they do you know whatever it is that they do because they're part of this collective consciousness this incredible awareness and by the time you have gotten out of bed and put your foot on the floor, you know, they've popped in to see how you're doing a few times. So my point is, we tend to judge spirits by our standards, that they're invisible humans that are lumbering around at our slow material world, you know, uh, movements, when in fact they are moving at speeds that we can't even comprehend. They are, are connecting with a vast number of other spirits and the, the even greater intelligence, the divine God, if you, would, if, if you, yes, God, that's what I believe. And so they're not sad, they're not depressed, um, and, but they are, are uh, filled with love and compassion and are able to come to us and to give us signs. The question is whether we're paying attention to the signs. And because they are eternal, and because they have had other lives and other existences, whether here or in other um, planets or wherever, um, solar systems or wherever, you know, this is something that always confused me, and I understand it now. But I always wondered, well, if they've had other lives, then why are they coming to me? Why aren't they coming to them? Or who are they more loyal to who was who who was their soul more loyal to and what i learned was that they can be in all places at all times is that right and can you explain that better for those who don't understand it beautifully said randy that's the multi-dimensional um nature of spirits wow you're good (laughs) okay um okay how to explain this Oh boy, um, I, I do go into this in in uh, both evidence of eternity, eternity, but even more so in the afterlife frequency. So let's do a crash course, an easy crash course in quantum physics. 
Okay. Everything is made of all right. Everything's made of molecules. We all learn that in what you know, fourth grade science. Everything's made of molecules, which in turn are made of of atoms, which in turn are made of electrons, protons, and neutrons, which in turn are made of the smallest particle of all, quantum, which is pure electromagnetic energy. For the science people listening, yes, technically an electron is a quantum because it's one eighteen hundredth the size of a proton. All right, so I've covered that. <laughs> All right, so on the quantum level, everything is energy, and that means you and me, Randy, we're the same energy as the microphones that we're talking into on the subatomic level. And that's the same energy that's broadcasting the show by radio waves. It's the same energy as the light we're seeing, the nuclear reactions in the sun and the ocean. So everything on the subatomic level is energy. Everything on the subatomic level has a vibration, and that's why, um, let's say, uh, your car is an inanimate object, and it's vibrating at a different frequency you are because you're alive. And so quantum theorists, um, starting with Albert Einstein, going through, I believe, Max Planck, and um, more recently Stephen Hawking, and I believe Max Tegmark at MIT has said this, is that... On the quantum level, time as we know it does not exist because everything is energy, so past, present, and future is all occurring simultaneously. And that's why in spirit communication, many times spirits will bring up things about your past, but they'll also bring up future events. Now, I'm not a fortune teller, but I'll convey what they're giving to me. Now, that being said... If we're communicating with an electromagnetic soul of your loved one, we'll say your Aunt Betty, okay, just for, you know, explanation, and your Aunt Betty in a previous life used to be Charlie McGillicuddy, and Charlie McGillicuddy's, uh, you know, family members want to communicate with him, they're all capable of doing this because they're on this multidimensional level and they're moving at these incredible speeds, and past, present, and future, from their perspective, doesn't exist. So that is the brief explanation of that. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> it's, is, yes. Yeah, well, that's yeah. why I wrote the afterlife frequency, because <laughs> what, what I saw is that there's different forms of spirit communication. Yeah, there's communication through a person like me, a medium. But for all of your listeners, I bet everybody here, everybody listening, has had a dream where a deceased loved one has communicated with them, and it feels real. And you yeah. wake up and it's like, that really was real. And, you know, throughout uh, in every scripture in the world, all the religions, and, and definitely in, in Ju the Judeo-Christian uh, tradition, dreams have been a very um, popular way of spirits coming and talking to people. You know, Pharaoh having the dreams and uh, the, um, the Hebrew Joseph being brought to interpret Pharaoh's dreams of the seven fat cows being devoured by the seven skinny cows, and then meaning that was seven years of plague. You've got uh, the three wise men being warned by an angel that uh, Herod the Great wanted to kill the infant Jesus, and then Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, being warned by an angel. I mean, we can go on and on and on and on through through examples there. But, it, uh, you know, currently many people get this. Or maybe you catch a glimpse of a loved one out of your peripheral vision or maybe in a mirror, or maybe you had a near-death experience, and you're trying to understand, I died, my, 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 my soul went into this light, and I saw people I know who died, and they looked fine. 
or maybe you had a shared death experience, and that's where somebody who is actively dying and people in close proximity to them start to pick up on the spirits that the dying person's interacting with. That, that's a, a, a that's a whole another another question right there. Actually, I so, have a show scheduled to talk about that coming up, so that's great. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, my book uh, goes very heavily into into that because okay. I've I've experienced it, and not just me as a medium, but people in the room who weren't mediums were like, "Oh my God, <laughs> Aunt Dottie, Aunt Dottie!" I'm like, I just saw Aunt Dottie. <laughs> You know, and, Aunt Dottie, and I remember that it was like Aunt Dottie died 30 years ago, and they're freaking out. And then the person who died—that was uh, that Aunt Dottie was her sister-in-law, her husband's uh, sister. Yeah. Wow. So, so it's, yeah, it's really cool. Um, I mean, I mean, I look at it as really cool because this proves, Randy, that life is eternal. And so I started to see that these different forms of spiritual phenomena have been traditionally treated as separate, and they're not. They all have a common denominator. That's energy transfer frequency alignment. And it's because all those forms of, of contact is when the, uh, the frequency of our electromagnetic soul increases its vibration and touches the vibration of the afterlife frequency. So all of this is explainable. And I believe that when people begin, you know, yes, if, if your faith teaches you this and you believe it, absolutely turn to that. But if you're wavering or you need more of an explanation, when you start understanding that who and what we are doesn't cease to exist when our body stops functioning, I believe that brings a lot of comfort to people. I do, too. It has always brought comfort to me. It, it, you know, I don't fear. Yes, of course, I fear losing someone that I you know, that I love here in that physical sense, but I have no fear about that they're going to be okay, and more than okay. What's interesting, I like the way that you're presenting this because um, this used to be woo-woo stuff. And my gosh, I've been talking about this for years and people used to look at me like outside, out of the side of their eye, like, come on, Randy, <laughs> how do you believe this well, stuff? Um, and well, now, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I grew up with this. I mean, you know, I mean, I started seeing spirits at three and a half. Both my parents saw them. It runs in my family's for gener my family for both sides of my family for generations. Yeah, and people look at you like you, you know, you're a complete uh, whack job. Mm -hmm. And except now, when you have quantum physicists coming out and saying it appears that the soul is eternal and a coherent electromagnetic field that that it can exist independently of a physical body. Okay, things start changing now. So what do you think, I mean, I have my own feelings about this, but what do you think the physical body, uh, the purpose of the physical body, or some people call it the meat suit? <laughs> yeah, the meat um, suit. I always, yeah, the always meat got suit. a kick out of that. I've heard suit. that one. Yeah, the meat suit. Um, what do you think the purpose is of us being here in this physical body and then having such a limited time in this physical body, in this physical world? You know, that is one of the most fascinating questions. And in many readings, you know, people ask, well, what is my purpose? You know, why do I have this disease? Why do I have to suffer the loss of my children? And, and it appears that we come into various physical incarnations and the brain does not create consciousness it merely hosts it 
So think of your brain as a computer hard drive. Okay, our computer hard drive did not create Windows 10, Windows 11, or you know whatever, or any Apple programs. It stores them, and then when the computer crashes and you're linked to you know the cloud, it gets uploaded. Okay, that's a, that's an analogy that we can use. So we come into these finite bodies with this finite perception, so that we can experience things that we cannot when we're pure energy. Pure energy doesn't get sick, doesn't get old, doesn't get tired, doesn't die, moves at these speeds. It's you know it's connected to this vast intelligence, and and then you wonder, well, why would we choose, or or why are we required to come into this finite existence to experience pain and suffering and emotional trauma? I mean, look at people living, you know, in a place like, you know, under the Taliban or or ISIS or or people um, in countries where, you know, you don't even know if you're going to eat again. I mean, why would people do this? And it appears to have a direct bearing on when our EMS leaves this incarnation to the frequency that we go into the, on the other side. Now, I don't believe in hell. There's no, you know, if flaming pit for all of eternity with the guy sticking in the butt with a pitchfork, you know, and all that. Um, that's a bunch of, of dark ages nonsense. And um, and I know uh, people write me, I believe in hell. And it's like, yes, because the people who are in love with hell and believe it think that everyone's going to it but them. Okay, but, <laughs> but the thing is... Uh, <laughs> How <laughs> uh, was that for being <laughs> diplomatic? Uh, but but uh, but but with with, with all due due um, sincerity, um, the other side is not a stagnant state. There are many different frequencies, and it appears that we go through a series of incarnations here so that we can experience these things. Also, we grow and evolve in response to adversity. I mean, think about it this way. If you know, if you're sitting on a mountaintop in in Maui, it's really easy to be spiritual there and enlightened, isn't it? Oh, I'm on this beautiful mountaintop. Top. Look at the ocean, the clouds. It's so beautiful. I'm so at peace. Okay. Well, do you grow? Do you evolve? So now let's stick you in a traffic jam in L.A. Okay. And traffic's not moving, and you got to get somewhere and be there in five minutes, and you're a good hour <laughs> from getting there, and you're stressing. And unfortunately, you had a cup of coffee before you left, and now it's like, oh God, I'm really gonna. <laughs> okay, <laughs> now, <laughs> now we're in the material world. Okay, this is the challenge to be spiritual here. And you keep looking at the car in front of you, swearing that that person is your enemy, <laughs> and they're not. Okay, because they're going through their through their difficulties, so we come into this this incarnation, Randy, so that we can experience things and grow from them that we cannot experience on the other side. And let me tell you something: these lessons can be extremely painful. And that growth. Um does that growth benefit us in our return or our our incarnation reincarnation? Does that growth help us in the next incarnation, or is it for our soul growth to to lift us to a different frequency? What um, what is that the purpose of that growth in your opinion? 
It appears to be all of the above. Um, there doesn't appear to be one size fits all because, you know, I've asked them, I go, so um, do, you ever, do, do we ever get to the point where we stop incarnating in this dimension? And spirits have said yes. I go, so, so what happens then? You know, because I was raised Catholic. You know, I want the Michelangelo painting. That's where I want to go. <laughs> okay, I want, you know, you know, the angels walking around drinking great wine. And, hey, there's Jesus. Hi, hi, you know, Mother Mary. Right. And, and, you know, just like, oh, my gosh, Archangel Michael. And, and I got the distinct impression they were laughing at me. And I'm not saying that these energies don't exist. What I'm saying is the afterlife is so much more incredible than any artist or human depiction. And they said that eventually your time in this dimension, this planet will come to an end and then you transfer to another. And I go, what? You know, and, and uh, I said, how long does this go on? And they said, that's energy. It is the eternal, eternal journey of energy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God. You know, and, and then the response was the reason that they said that you need to focus on what you're doing here. And, and, and it's like, don't worry about this. They said, um, you need to focus on what you're doing here because once, you know, in this world, because once you transition to the other side, then you'll have the ability to perceive things on an infinite basis, and this will start to make sense. And I know that sounds hard to wrap your head around, and it really is. You know, I mean, I wanted the Michelangelo painting, you know. <laughs> I wanted, okay, I, I hit the spiritual lottery, here I am. And and uh, apparently, it, you know, you go on and on and on. And I said, well, do we ever get to be with God? They said, you always are. Mm. We are, I mean, from, uh, there's a lot of point of views that say that we are all part of that we're just sparks of the same source. <clears throat> exactly. So. That, that's, that, that's beautifully said, Randy. And that's what I refer to as the collective consciousness. Mm-hmm. Because when, when we die, think of our electromagnetic soul as like a drop of water, and it leaves um, the body and it plunges into this eternal sea of consciousness. So now we're interconnected with all these other spirits. But So, so there's that old saying that we're all cells in the body of God, well, this is what it is, but it appears to me that there still is a a central or or a unified intelligence. It isn't just an infinite number of people squabbling and talking at the same time. It's not dissonance. It's harmonic. Yeah, there's a harmony there. And, you know, once again, trying to understand infinity, we have to realize that our human brain is incapable uh, it's not designed for infinity. And, it, you know, think of our soul, you know, our eternal energy. We're in this bottle, and the brain is the cork. The brain's the arbiter between our spiritual energy here and the other side, and eventually that cork will be released, and then uh, we we revert back to this, this um, state. Um, I think Albert Einstein may have explained this the best. He said, Think of a four-year-old who walks into a library, and the four-year-old sees all the books. And the four-year-old knows that there are things in the books that are written and that people wrote them. But the four-year-old doesn't understand it, but knows that they're there. We are mm. the four-year-old. Wow. That's a great analogy. Well, that's Albert Einstein for you. <laughs> you know, yeah, he, uh... I mean, he's, yeah, he, has a, he has a lot of good ones. <clears throat> so, 
um, one more logistic, if you will, question that, um, that I have before we go into helping people to actually deal with the losses that they're experiencing. Um, and this is a question that I think I've posed before, uh, and I'm not really sure if I know the answer to it or if you know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway because I get, tend to go deep. Okay, so we are transitioning from the third dimension into the fifth dimension, which is right. a more holographic um, existence. Right. Is there a crossover between that dimension and the dimension or are our loved ones on a particular dimension or not necessarily? So is there any crossover and you get what I'm saying? <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying, and I gave a lecture on this very topic um, for the International Association for Near-Death Studies at their annual conference um, oh, cool. in 2021 in September. The name of my presentation was the NDE Zone. Mm. And what, what I explain is that, and I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version here, is that think of our world as AM radio, Okay. We have energy, frequency, and amplitude, and we're vibrating at a lower frequency. Think of the afterlife frequency, the other side, the collective consciousness, as FM radio. And both systems coexist and, and, and uh, uh, coincide side by side. But there is a zone in between. So there are times when... Those of us in the AM radio, let's say as a medium or a person receiving a visitation from a spirit in a dream or in some other way, um, or a near-death experience where the vibration increases, spirits spot that, they bring their vibration down out of the FM radio and we get a frequency match in between. So there's a transitionary zone between the material world and the other side. Think about a near-death experience. Okay, that's where somebody dies. Their consciousness leaves their body. They go through a tunnel. They encounter loved ones they know who have died. And then if they go even further, they encounter this vast, loving intelligence that, dare I say, is God. Well, think of an NDE as you're attached to a rubber band and you're like, and you get right up to the afterlife frequency yeah. and then, wing, you get pulled back. Okay? Right. Now, the people that I talked to as a medium, their rubber band snapped and they, they went uh, to, into the afterlife frequency. So there is a transitional zone in between there. And and um, and you know, a lot of people say, oh well, there's this orientation. It takes weeks. And look, we're dealing with entities that move at, at, at like at immense distances within the blink of an eye. Their orientation may take point zero 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 one second. Okay. So this whole, you know, I, I've read all these books by, you know, I'm not going to name any <laughs> names, but some of these authors, I'm like, uh-huh. Um, and when you start really working with this and you see how quickly this happens and how immensely this happens, and we truly are created in the image of God, but God is not a bipedal high-order primate. God is energy. So... Okay, so how does that relate to the, the, the holographic dimension that we are moving into, in towards? So, I mean, is that what you're saying? Is that, is that the bridge that, that's, between that's the what, two? Yeah, that, 
Well, the afterlife frequency mm-hmm. is, is when you're dead, okay? When you're dead, mm-hmm. but you're actually an eternal being. And it's the mm-hmm. frequency in between. Um, so that, that's, I think, what you're talking about. That's what I call the NDE zone. Because okay. in that zone between our material world vibration and the afterlife mm-hmm. frequency, this is a frequency overlap between the two dimensions. This okay. is where NDEs occurred, uh, deathbed visions, shared death experiences, contact through a medium, visitations. It's all an overlap. Here's how okay. this works. We have five different brainwave frequencies, gamma, um, gamma, beta, Alpha, Theta, and Delta. Gamma is ultra-high frequency. Think Ken Jennings, Matt Amodi on Jeopardy. <laughs> okay, brain <laughs> revving at full power. Okay, that's Gamma. Uh, right now we're in Beta. That's the, you know, you can drive your car, um, you know, write, think, you know, deal with life. You, that's the conscious state. When you begin to relax, you go to Alpha. And then when you go to dream, dream state sleep, that's Theta. Uh, delta, very low brainwave activity, but that's when you're asleep and your body repairs itself, but it's on the alpha-theta border between the relaxed state and the dream state that psychic activity occurs. Spirits see that, and that's why they adjust their frequency to make contact on that vibration. And this appears to be the same type of vibration which is involved with deathbed visions, um, shared and near-death experiences as well. So there's your your uh, transition okay. zone. That's really cool. I like that. <clears throat> okay. So for those who are listening and are going through this pain of how to navigate the holidays, um, how do they? How do they? Or should they? I should say try to contact their, their loved ones, or are there other ways that they can? Um, get some peace from that, from the loss. Grief in, in coping with the loss of a loved one, I believe, is a cross-disciplinary approach. And on my website and my books, um, I always recommend they should wait about six months after the passing of a loved one, four to six months. Now, the spirits can communicate right away. Um, I've communicated with many spirits within seconds after after they've left the body, and but but the recipient's not ready, and people think they are. I want to hear them. I want them. I want them. Okay. Well, what are you going to get out of a reading if you're hysterical, if you're crying hysterical and just so overcome with pain? And the reason that uh, we recommend you wait four to six months is because then your emotions stabilize, so then you'll be in a more receptive mode. And spirit communication is a very healing and therapeutic step in the journey through grief. But it, it, when I say cross-disciplinary approach, this is when you turn to your faith, okay, your faith community, turn to close friends and your family. Um, you may want to go to grief counseling. Don't go through this alone. Going through grief alone, I mean, the death of a loved one is going to make you feel lonely and isolated enough as it is. There are caring people who will help you. Um, Then there's a number of coping techniques. And I have all this on my website, um, uh, afterlifefrequency.com. There's a grief management page. But since we're focusing on the holidays, the holidays are really tough because the holidays really intensify that sense of loss. And if you are not 
if you don't feel like doing, if you don't want to put up the Christmas tree or the menorah or, or whatever your traditions are, don't do it. Don't torture yourself. Maybe do something different. Maybe on Christmas Day go for a long walk in a nature setting. Or maybe do maybe go to the movies. You know, I'm saying do something different. Don't you know? Don't recreate. Oh my God, Mom's not here. Okay, just so that it just makes things extremely painful. Um, also realize that as my my late friend, mentor, and uh, my priest, Father Sonny, once said, "Grief is the price of love. We grieve as deeply as we have loved." But a mm. life without love isn't mm. much of a life at all. And when you start to realize that, why am I grieving so much? Because there was a person or people that made your life wonderful. And, you know, the, the reaction is you're absolutely devastated by their passing. But, but because of them, there's so much richness in your life. There is no expiration date for grief. That would be lovely if there was. You've got to give yourself time. Don't beat yourself up, okay? But also, don't put yourself in a situation that's going to make it even worse. So, if you know, one of the things I have found is many times people say, I just I don't think I can do uh, Christmas with family or friends, and instead they volunteer at a soup kitchen. And they they spend Christmas Day or, or day on Hanukkah or whenever um, helping less fortunate people than themselves. One of the, the most healing modalities is engaging in compassionate acts. Now, when I say this, I'm not saying bring, you know, people off the street into your home, all right? And I know there's a lot of people who say, that's not very Christian. Yeah, well, I also, be, I also used to be a prosecutor and a criminal defense lawyer. <laughs> Do it through, yeah, okay. I mean, I, you know, I deal with reality. I'm not, you know, living in the Republic of Kumbaya with unicorns running around. Um, right. Do it through an organization that does this, okay? They always need help, okay? And they have it all set up there. And so you're there and you're handing out uh, turkey or chicken and dumplings or whatever it is to, to people less fortunate. And you do that instead of sitting there and trying to be all jolly when you're just miserable. Because acts of kindness and compassion to less fortunate helps us to see that everyone is struggling in life. And by easing the suffering of others, you are lightening the load of your own grief. Mm. So well said. Thank you. Thank you. That's really a great answer. Um, what about um, the loss of animals? How many an Have you talked to a lot of animals? Have you connected with them? Dogs, cats, birds, horses, bunnies, gerbils, hamsters, and even a bear. <laughs> really? Um, really? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Animals, um, you know, only human arrogance assumes we're the only beings with a soul. Once again, let's go back to quantum physics. These creatures are alive, are they not? There are, there ergo, energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. What I've seen is that any being capable of the emotion of love is capable of spirit communication. So I've yet to communicate with an alligator or a tarantula, and I'm kind of okay with that. Um, but, but um, yeah, a lot of dogs um, come through, cats do, birds. Um, I was doing a reading for these, this, these people, and they were 
um, really nice family. They're real, real, real country. And, I'm, and I don't mean that in any derogatory way, okay? And, you know, they have very thick accents like this. They're from the center part of Florida. And uh, their father had died. And so the father came through, a really great guy, great spirit. And I said, wait a second. And they go, what? And the oldest son goes, what do you see, Mark? I <laughs> say, there's a big black bear sitting next to your father. And he goes, well, Daddy done shot himself a big old black bear once. Ooh. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so there's Daddy next to this bear, and the bear emitted a message to me. And it came across as sometimes you're the predator and sometimes you're the prey. Oh, my gosh. And I felt, yeah, and, and I felt absolutely no ill will. And then people are like, well, how can a dog communicate to you? What, does it come and go woof, woof? you got to realize, the way spirits communicate, they don't speak a human language or an animal language. Spirits, as pure electromagnetic energy, are emitting waves of frequency to, to me. So their electromagnetic impulse interfaces with the electromagnetic soul, my EMS, my electromagnetic field in my brain, and that EM pulse then gets converted into recognizable concepts based on my memories, feelings, and cultural associations. So I've done readings for people that were not English speakers. Um, I mean, the, the spirits who died were, were, did not you know, speak English, and they're perfectly capable of communicating. I was doing a reading for um, this woman, um, I think she was from Argentina. Um, she was uh, either Argentina or Colombia. Please forgive me that I, I don't recall right off. But her son came through, and I kept seeing an image of King Arthur with the sword in the stone. And I go, does that make any sense? And I go, Excalibur. And I'm thinking, well, that's an English, you know, story, legend. <laughs> and she goes, well, my son's name was Arturo, which is Arthur. And she said his favorite story was about King Arthur with the sword and the stone. Oh. And the boy didn't speak in this world a lick of English. And so last week, I was doing a reading for uh, this really nice nice couple, this husband and wife. It was a phone reading. Uh, most of the readings I do, especially in this era, are telephone. And phone readings are just as accurate as in person because spirits move at the speed of light, the same speed as a phone call. Um, and his father came through, and he said, okay. He goes, um, I never knew my father. All right. I said, well, he's showing me uh, – he's telling me two snakes – two snakes okay and i'm thinking oh this could be something and he goes huh and, and i go do you have any snake stories and he goes no and i go well i said my interpretation is like the medical you know symbol you know the staff with the two snakes on it he goes yeah i'm, I'm familiar with that symbol he said but i have a feeling it's native american i go why he goes because um I'm Native American, and my father's family was too. He said, but I don't know what what two snakes mean. And so, you know, I always tell people, if you don't understand it right away, don't worry about it, jot it down. Well, the next morning, Randy, they contacted me, and he was so excited. He said, Mark, I looked it up. My family is of the Sioux Nation, which literally in the Sioux language means two snakes. Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, 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 I've studied Native American spirituality uh, to some extent, but I, I don't speak the Sioux language, and he didn't either. And he goes, man, this is great, you know, and I'm like, wow. You know, because uh, that's why I always tell people, if you have a different interpretation than mine when something is transmitted, we go with yours over mine because the reading's not about me. It's about you. Mm-hmm. I am just the conduit. So my cultural interpretation of two snakes was the the medical, you know, the symbol, <laughs> right. uh, you know, which actually comes from ancient Greece. Okay. Well, obviously this this family is Native American, and his father was letting him know that he is proud of his son, who mm. is a, a member of the Sioux Nation. Wow. Yeah, I remember during a reading, um, I was told that. Uh, <clears throat> that a grandmother really kind of um, spirit was there and that she was showing, um, showing her pearls. And she said to me, you know, wh- which one of your grandmothers had pearls? And I said, really, my grandmothers were, were quite, you know, quite poor during that time. And none of them had jewelry. None of them had pearls. So, you know, write it down, see what you think. I hang up the phone and I go, Oh my God. <laughs> My husband's grandmother's name was Pearl. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There you go. It, it doesn't come to mind right away, you know, because you're thinking along one chain, one, one, you know, thought process, my grandmother's, my great-grandmother's, and yet, no, that's what it was. So, you know, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times um, people, because um, I've been on a number of TV shows, and, you know, unlike the, these other shows with mediums that are all scripted and canned, I have to do it live. Okay, you know, there I am on stage, lights, camera, action, and I was doing um, um, a session on this one show, and this uh, this woman and her daughter stand up, and her husband comes through, and he keeps saying Chesterfields, Chesterfields, Chesterfields. So I'm getting tobacco. I feel like I'm chewing tobacco, and I feel my lungs burning. She goes, "Well, he died of lung cancer, but Chesterfields make no sense." So I go, "What about chewing tobacco?" No, 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 no. All right, well, it's tough when you're on TV. Well, the show invited me back about six months later, and the host of the show was great. She goes, well, Mark, last time we were on the show, uh, they talked about Chesterfields. Like, yeah, I remember that. Well, they had the woman on the phone, and she was real sweet. She's real Texas, and she goes, well, when I got home, I realized that every day for 35 years, my husband had come into my beauty shop and sit in front of this Chesterfields poster, and we'd oh. have coffee. And below the Chesterfields poster is a poster for chewing tobacco. And she goes, <laughs> I just didn't think of that, you know. And, and, um, and uh, why, you know, um, and, and the thing is that that meant so much to her because that was their moment. Every, every morning he would mm. come to her beauty salon. They would have coffee. And she said, and we used to talk about William Bendix because he used to play Babe Ruth, and that's what the poster was. And then they bring up on the screen on the TV, she sent a picture of it. There's Babe Ruth, William Bendix, Chesterfield's chewing tobacco. You know, <laughs> And I was very thankful that they did that because nothing's worse than when you're standing there. People are like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then later on it dawns on them. And that's uh, one of the concepts I explain in the afterlife frequency is called the unfolding. Think of the reading like flower. Blooms, blossoms, unfolds, and it can take hours, days, weeks, or even longer for the full impact of a reading to make sense. If I can indulge me with uh, one more story. Um, sure. I was, doing, I was doing a reading for this, this uh, woman, and her mother spirit 
connected with me and kept talking about a young male, feels like on the child level, having issues with his eyes. And she said, well, I don't have any children, but I'm very close to my sister and her son. He's eight years old, and he's been complaining lately about headaches. I said, you've got to get him to the eye doctor. And I said, and now I'm hearing that song from uh, the late little Richard, Tutti Frutti Ah Rudy, that keeps getting repeated. <laughs> and she said, well, that doesn't make any sense. She goes, you know, we know who Little Richard was, but we're not, you know, fans, and that doesn't make any sense. I go, don't worry about it, okay? I said, but you really should consider, you know, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, th- this is what I'm getting. A month later, Randy, I get an email, and she said, well, um, my sister said that her son um, definitely was getting the headaches and eye strains, so we both, you know, went with him. We, you know, we made an appointment to the eye doctor, and as soon as we walked into the doctor's office, Tutti Frutti Ah Rudy by Little Richard started playing on the radio. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> now, this gets back to your earlier question about past, present, and future. Her mother's spirit being pure electromagnetic energy, their past, present, and future doesn't exist on the quantum level, she was saying, get the boy in because he needs glasses. And because she was able to foresee future events, knew when they were going to be there, and knew what song was going to be playing on the radio. Okay, and people, well, that sounds far-fetched. It's like, okay, then you tell me, how are we past a billion to one on the second you walk into the eye doctor Mm-mm. that that particular song plays. <laughs> oh come on! I mean, really, that's that is um, so synchronistic, and it's a it's, it's validation. It's really what it is. It's like okay, there it is. Um, wonderful, wonderful story. Thank you. So um, I'm going to ask you the obvious question that most people probably ask you from the beginning, but I'm going to say, you know, you're a, you're an attorney. And you are also a psychic medium. So how do those two come together? And which one did you, um, were you drawn to more strongly at first? Well, I was, I was born as a psychic medium. I began perceiving spirits when I was three and a half. And I was seeing my invisible friends. And the thing is, mommy and daddy could see them too because they both had these abilities as well. It runs in my family um, on both sides. I've tracked it into the 1890s on both sides of the family. And I remember my dad always telling me, just talk about it to your mother and I because people outside, away from us, aren't going to understand this. Okay? And so it was always there. And initially I had wanted to go into the clergy. Um, that's why, you know, I've been, you know, I've been friends over the years with several people in the clergy. Um, and... Um, because that's that's not unusual for a medium to be drawn to the spiritual. But I started seeing it was too confining for me, too too many rules, too many regulations. Um, I take a much broader view of faith, and you have to believe this particular book and this particular thing. And so I ended up going into law, <laughs> which, you know, talk about mm-hmm. rules and regulations. 
But I feel that it was all part of what I was supposed to do because being an attorney, I've tried 300 jury trials. I've attended Oxford University. I was a prosecutor, criminal defense. And in my practice as both prosecution, criminal defense, and civil litigation, I specialized in brain injury cases. So I started studying the human brain, had to work with forensics, physicists, medical doctors, neuroscientists, uh, psychologist, so it gave me this huge wealth of information. And then in my free time, I like to go to mystical locations around the world to study archaeology, ancient mysteries, theology, philosophy, and it all seemed to be on purpose to meld together so that I could be doing what I'm doing now. And are you still practicing law? No, I've devoted my full time to my spiritual work, although I do appear on many TV and radio shows as a legal analyst, um, Hmm. particularly um, in in high-profile cases and when paranormal and legal issues collide, which occur a lot more. Yeah, um, haunted houses for sale. Can you break a contract? (laughs) There's actually a case that went up to the went to the New York Supreme Court. These people bought a house, and then they realized paranormal activity was was going on and that the seller had not disclosed that fact. And because of that and a couple other cases, there's about, I'd say, close to 20 states now that have a paranormal reputation. You have to disclose that when selling a house. Cool. And and then it gets on thin ice because you can't put a judge in the position of saying this house is haunted because then by doing that, he's violating the First Amendment separation of church and state by a judicial government decree that an afterlife exists. So so there's a lot of really amazing issues there. And then, of course, there's the, you know, I'm possessed by the devil. That's why I committed this murder, which is essentially the insanity defense. But mm-hmm. then there have been several other things as well. Um, insurance and liability issues for paranormal investigators. You know, people are running around in these so-called haunted houses. Somebody falls and breaks a leg. Who do they sue? (laughs) (laughs) Who who better to talk about that than the psychic lawyer? Yeah, who Mm -hmm. thinks these things? But the thing is, you know, know, these days, you know, all these, you know, they're running around with night vision, goggles, screaming, demon, 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 you know, in Mm -hmm. some abandoned (laughs) house. Well, somebody owns that property, and if you get injured on it, somebody's going to be getting sued. And, And so... So that's why they come to me, because I can speak to both the uh, paranormal, metaphysical, spiritual aspects, as well as the technical and legal as well. So uh, that is so amazing. Uh, that, that niche is something I would have never thought of. What kind of law were you practicing before all of well, this? I was a prosecutor so I've done, and a criminal defense. So I've done everything from mm. marine violations to premeditated murder. And then in my civil practice, I did uh, brain injury litigation, car accidents, complex civil litigations. Oh, wow. You've done it all. I've (laughs) done quite a bit. I also dealt with Social Security disability. And uh, all I can say is talk about a wasteful organization that really needs to be revamped from top to bottom. And same thing with the Veterans Administration. Let's let's help our veterans, okay? Let's cool it with the bureaucracy and the red tape. These men and women put their lives on the line for us and our freedoms, and they should not be denied any type of care, much less should they be homeless. So, sorry, that's my soapbox, but I feel very strongly about that. And that's why the Wounded Warrior 
uh, project is doing so well. I mean, they've stepped into a place where uh, that was so desperately needed. Absolutely, so. and, and to all to all our veterans out there, you know, my dad was a Navy SEAL. Um, thank you to all the brave men and women who, who don't get thanked um, because, you know, um, there's a reason people have not gotten a bill for your freedom. That's because a veteran already paid for it. No, I like that. That's great. What a great quote. Beautiful. So, okay. Well, um, you, tell us what your website is in case anyone would like to connect with you and um, find out. I know you do group readings, individual readings. I know you do all different kinds of things. So what is your website? Um, and then tell us uh, about how we can get the afterlife frequency, which is going to be, well, it was just, it just came out in October, right? It came out in October. It, it, I was notified it's up for a Pulitzer Prize. Uh, movie star Shirley MacLaine endorsed it. It's in a second printing, and it's been consistently a top ten, if not number one, Amazon bestseller. And everybody can find it on Amazon, or if you go to my website, Afterlife Frequency, just like my book, theafterlifefrequency.com, afterlifefrequency.com. And I invite everyone to sign up for my newsletter, and I have a weekly show on Thursdays, The Psychic in the Dock, with my co-host, Dr. Pat Basili, and uh, we take calls from listeners. So you can find out about all of that at my website, afterlifefrequency.com. And, Randy, I've got three spirit communication events online coming up, December 4th, 10th, and 11th. And if you go to my website, go to the calendar of events, you can find out about about those. Um, and um, the the 10th is a group event uh, sponsored by the um, East West Bookshop of Seattle, but it's a it's a global event. And then on uh, excuse me, December 10th and 11th, those are light circle events that are limited to six people, so everybody is guaranteed a reading. And you can find out about all of that at Afterlife frequency.com okay and and are you doing that virtually or in person yeah they're online yeah okay so no i mean the actual circles the circles of six oh yeah yeah they're they're online uh that that's virtual virtual okay yeah yeah and the thing is i mean i've been doing a lot of these since uh covid and they are just as accurate as in-person readings and the benefit Mm. is you you're in the comfort of your own home when it's happening Mm, i love that Oh, wow. Well, I'm so glad we were able to fit you in so quickly. And I knew this was going to be a great show. And um, thank you for all the wisdom that you offer and the comfort, especially, that you're offering to those who are going through a hard time right now, that they have something to reach for, some hope, some positivity, some light to look at um, in regard to their loss. And uh, that's priceless. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it, Randy. I appreciate you having me on the show. And to all your listeners, thank you for tuning in. And for everyone facing the holidays um, with, with the loss of a loved one, may God bless you. And, uh, you know, just do the very best you can. It isn't easy, but you, you'll be surprised that you'll find we're much stronger than we give ourselves credit for. Mm, thank you for that. Thank you for leaving us with that wonderful message. All right. Well, have a wonderful, wonderful day, Mark. Thank Take you care. so much, Randy. Many blessings. You're welcome. Thanks. Bye-bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at loveyourlife 
at randyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.